Good morning and welcome to worship today at Kern Church. My name is Will and I'm the pastor here and it's such a joy to be with you all this morning. Thank you for those that are joining us online. I I hope that this service provides inspiration for you in your morning. And here at Kern Church, we exist to create belonging and hope by connecting you with a life renewed by Jesus. And, And my hope for you today is that you find this belonging and you find this hope in in Jesus and and in being with other people. Inside your worship program, if you have one, there's a blue sheet that has uh, some some information about Lent, some information that can help you perhaps live a holy Lent, that can help you perhaps grow closer to Jesus during Lent. And if you're joining us online, you can go to kernchurch.org slash Lent, and you'll find all this information and all the links there of just some things that can perhaps help you in your spiritual disciplines, help you grow closer to Jesus over the next several weeks. So I give that to you, invite you to, to take a look, take a look today. Well, right now I want to offer a word of prayer as we begin to worship God this day. God, thank you so much for each one who has joined us today in worship. I pray that your spirit is blessed, that your spirit is, is made whole, that your spirit falls upon each one who is here, that they can, they can receive the warmness of your grace, your power, and your love. I give this all to you, most holy one, in the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. I want to let you know that over the past few months, I've been involved with a a coaching group, and uh, this is something that I highly recommend if you're in the middle of any any type of business work or whatever, but I was involved with a coaching group uh, with several other pastors, and this group was especially for for pastors who were new to new to their churches and transitioning into leadership. I've been here since July, and so our, our district superintendent, who's kind of like my boss at mid level level or whatever, uh, our district superintendent, she. Uh, she really values leadership development and really values helping, helping pastors in local churches. And so she was really instrumental in, in helping to create this group. Uh, you see, our church is part of the Tennessee Valley of, of the United Methodist Church. And the district paid all the expenses for the coaching group. So this is kind of like an example of, of what can happen when churches work together for the common good in the United Methodist Church. Anyways, I, I learned a lot about myself during this time, during this coaching group. It was really beneficial, just really as a, as a support group uh, during the fall when there were some difficult things happening in the midst of transition and difficult things happening here at the church, and it's also been a, a source of inspiration and clarity in helping me understand, you know, what may be able to come next. I want to say that I think the most beneficial thing about this coaching group for me is what I learned about myself and kind of my own habits and tendencies. One of the things that I learned is that each of us have things, and I mean like as you if you need to learn this, but each of us have things in our lives that work against us being good, right? You, you have things in your life that work against you being happy and successful, that work against you and in, in, in getting along with your spouse or your kids. And, 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 and looking at my own life and, and really trying to figure out what these were was one of the things that, 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 that really was beneficial to me. You know, those things that make you less happy less content and, and less successful. These are things that, that sabotage you. And, and I found that, that, that I have some, some pretty, pretty nasty saboteurs in the midst of it that, that keep me perhaps from, 
from living and being all that God wants me to be. And, and the biggest saboteurs in my life are, are kind of like officially called, according to what we were working on, everything has its own thing, but it's like hypervigilance and hyperachiever. Now, hyperachiever probably is like, you know, you could read into that and figure out what that, what that is. It, it, the hyperachiever is kind of self-explanatory, but it basically means that, that my self-respect and my self-validation is kind of raw, I guess. My, my self-validation is usually dependent on like constant performance and, and achievement. So what this means is that when I achieve something like of worth or that I think is worthwhile or, or that, I, that I have some type of big of achievement, I'm really happy about it and it, and it makes me re- feel really good about myself. But the problem is then I can easily get sad again and, because then I need to figure out what comes next, what I have to achieve next because working on this is, you know, n- more is never, never enough. And then the hypervigilant saboteur in my life kind of creates this sense of anxiety and dangers being around any corner. It's like a fear of, of the future because things could go wrong. And this means that, that sometimes I tend to have a pessimistic outlook on life or at least a pessimistic outlook on the future state of things. And um, that can kind of get old and annoying and I realize that can get old and annoying for people that are around me if I, uh, if I don't keep that in check. But these saboteurs, they provide uh, like this real source of temptation in my life that threatens to keep me from really being happy. And, and probably more than that, it keeps me from spending real quality time with the people that I love and the people that need me the most. A great example of this is that my work week is basically Sunday through Thursday. So Fridays and Saturdays are generally my weekend, my, my time off, uh, basically. This means that on my calendar I have a day off on Fridays and then time for Sabbath as well. Um, but you know what often happens in this time is I work. Um, I don't take quality time off. Or if I force myself to take time off. I'm thinking about the things that I could be doing or perhaps should be doing. And it's, and it's just kind of like this ongoing thing. It's always the case that I, I'm, I'm going to be needed or I'm going to feel like I'm needed. I mean, this past week was, was uh, the, I, this past week, one of the saints of the church, Joanne Vestal, many of you know Joanne, and, and, and Joanne died and, and her funeral was on Friday. And it was such an honor to be with her family and, and to spend this time in this holy work of giving Joanne back to God. And I have to say that, that I was truly blessed in this time because I didn't get to spend time with Joanne, especially when, when her health was good. But I heard from so many people that did, and it was a time that, that really blessed me, blessed me in powerful ways. And I want you to know that this is not the type of thing that I'm talking about when I say that I work on, on my days off, because this is the type of thing that I'm committed to. So like, if there's some, like, something happening in the church, or, or some, somebody has a death in their family, and I need to be on an, an hours that I'm generally off, it, it's like not, a big, not a big deal. The bigger deal is all those things that I I put on my to-do list myself, right? The things that I, that I say are, are important for me to take care of. Things that, that, that most people don't know about. You know, being with a family for a funeral or for some other event on a Friday is not the kind of work that, that keeps me from experiencing things. This is a, doesn't happen all that often. It's just kind of what I do. 
The, the kind of work that really happens is the kind of work, the kind of work that I just give myself to do. It's the, it's the kind of work that happens behind the scenes that only myself and, and maybe a few others know about. It's the things that, that, that I think that I really need to achieve and I really value to help our church move forward and, and to help me uh, achieve the things that, that we need to achieve. But the problem with this is that this temptation to be, high, to be a hyperachiever keeps me distracted during this time that I need to be with my family or to be with other people. And so I'm constantly, you know, battling this, this, this temptation to be doing more or to working more on the time that I'm supposed to be off spending with those that need me. You know, everyone has temptations in, my, in your lives. Maybe, maybe as I was sharing about this, maybe you have some of these same tendencies as well, but, but even if you don't have these, you have some in your life. Many ha- have this idea that, that temptation and sin are basically like laws that you break or, or immoral actions. So I think it's easy to, to imagine. Oftentimes, church, we do this. We talk about sin and, and the things that tempt you as like these big things that, that you know that you're going to do that's wrong, or, or like these immoral choices that, that you're forced to have to make or to deal with or, or whatever the case, and that these are the, these are the things that are really bad that keep you, keep you from God. And while this may be true to a certain extent, as I've grown older, I've come to more and more understand that, that the bigger temptations are not always those high-profile things, are not always those things that, that different church people fight about. The bigger temptations are those things that sneak up on you in life, those things that, that kind of remain underneath the, the veneer of things being okay, are things like finding your worth and overachieving, are things like finding your worth and worrying too much about the future, or, or, or whatever the case may be. Maybe, maybe for you, it's trying to control things in your life more than you should, or trying to please people. These, these temptations that kind of hide underneath the surface, for most people, and for a lot of people, really are, are kind of the bigger temptations in life, because these are the things that really distract you. These are the things that keep you from, from a life, from the good things in life, from a life that's connected with God, connected with others. But what about you? What is, what is your temptation? What does temptation look like in your life? Does temptation appear like you're devoting too much time to, to something, too much time to work at the expense of yourself and your family? Does temptation appear in maybe some hate and, and resentment that you hold towards, towards others? Or maybe temptation is, is, is in drug or substance misuse where you just feel as if there's, there's no way out. Or does temptation appear in the way you judge others? Or, or even or even judge yourself. Everyone has things in their life that, that tempt you. Everyone has, has temptations that you're dealing with that, that, that really threaten to keep you from living a life that is full and living a life uh, with those that you care most about and living a life with God. But I want you to know that in the midst of the temptations, in the midst of whatever is going on in life, you are not alone 
And in fact, no temptation is too big for the love of God. No temptation, no matter what it is, is too big for God's love. Temptation is always a part of life, but no temptation is ever too big for God's love. The truth is that temptation is just a part of of being human. This is part of being human, and it's seen all throughout human history, and it's seen all all over the Bible. And sometimes uh, temptations, they show up when you least expect it. And, and this is something that happened in, in the ministry of Jesus and, and Jesus' own experience. You see, if you uh, want to read along with me and you've got a Bible, I want to invite you to turn with me to, to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew the, is the first book in the New Testament that kind of tells us um, tells us about Jesus and about his life. So what happens is that Jesus is... is uh, Jesus, before we get to this scripture passage, is that Jesus is out in the wilderness because he's, his cousin is there. And his cousin John is baptizing people and, and asking them to repent of their sins. So John's baptizing people, and Jesus is like, i got to get in on this. So Jesus makes his way to the wilderness and kind of shows up in a surprise. And, and, and this powerful thing happens is that Jesus receives the, the waters of baptism, and then we read that the heavens open up, The heavens open up, the Spirit of God comes down, and a voice from heaven says, This is my Son, whom I loved, with him I am well pleased. So there's this huge moment of validation. When when Jesus is like, everything is going right in his life, things are looking good, he's connected with God and with other people. I mean, have you ever had a moment like this? When, When they're just seeing that everything was right in your world, and everything seemed clear. That's, that's what Jesus has right here, this moment of, of crystal clarity in life. Jesus is being inaugurated into his mission and his ministry. But sometimes it just happens that when everything is going right in the world, it, it is then when temptation strikes. It is then when you think things are going to be all good that, that things kind of present a hiccup. And so this is where we pick up the story in Matthew chapter 4 beginning in verse 1. We find these words. Then the Spirit led Jesus up into the wilderness so that the devil might tempt him. After Jesus had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he was starving. So Jesus has just been affirmed in his ministry, and then the Spirit leads him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness where John was, and then he went even more into the wilderness. Uh, And just so you know, this is kind of often a pattern in the Bible, where, where people are led into the wilderness for a time of solitude to, to help them grow closer to, grow closer to God. But something is happening during this time. Jesus is fasting. He hasn't eaten for 40 days and 40 nights. And as you might expect, he's a little bit hungry. Like he hasn't eaten, so he's hungry, right? Uh, this idea of fasting is, is what Lent is about. I, I mentioned Lent at the beginning of our worship service. Lent is a time, 40 days of, of, of fasting to grow closer to God, where the people of God are, in, are invited to, to give up something that, that you really rely on so that you can grow closer to God. And we get this practice from Jesus himself. And that's kind of what Jesus is, is going through. But here's what happens. While, while Jesus is there, temptation is about to enter the scene. Temptation is about to enter. And I think that you'll, you'll find that if you take Lent seriously and, and you seriously give something up or maybe even commit to a new spiritual practice, you will find that temptation will show up in your life too. So here's what happens. 
Remember, Jesus hasn't eaten for 40 days and and 40 nights, and he's hungry. And so in verse 3, we read this, that the tempter came to him and said, since you are God's son, command these stones to become bread. So the wilderness that Jesus is in is not like East Tennessee wilderness where you're lost in the woods. It's like desert wilderness or, or like barren landscape wilderness, and there's a bunch of rocks all over the place. So there's there's, there's as many rocks as there are like cars around here. I mean, like rock, every, every place you turn, your eyes to see, there's these big rocks. And so the tempter comes to him and he's like, you know what, you're hungry, why don't you just command these stones to, to turn into bread? Well, Jesus replies, it's written that people don't live by bread alone, but by every word spoken from God. And after that, the, the devil brought him to the holy city and, and stood him at the highest Point of the temple. So he, he goes to Jerusalem and, and he's standing at the highest point of the temple. And, and the tempter, the, the devil, says to, to him, Since you are God's son, why don't you just throw yourself down from here? For it's written that I will command my angels concerning you, and they will take you up in their hands so that you don't hit your foot. And, and, and then Jesus replies here, uh, Again, it's written, Don't test the Lord your God. Then the devil brought him to a very high mountain. So he's up on top of the temple, and, and it's like this high place. Then he gets into a very high mountain, an even higher place. And, and, and the devil showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all their glory. And remember, Jesus is, is, is one who, who has just been inaugurated into his ministry. He's got a big mission to do. And, and then he says, you know what? The tempter says, I'll give you all this. You don't have to do the hard stuff. You don't have to do the hard stuff. I'll give you all of this, if you'll just bow down and worship me. So three times Jesus is tempted, tempted by the devil, Matthew tells us. And, and there is a lot of study that you, could be do, that you could do. There's a lot of study that's been done about what these temptations mean and what's behind them. And so if you find that interesting, I invite you to, to go and, and study that and look into that. But the thing is, temptation is temptation, It doesn't really matter what it is. Temptation is temptation, and Jesus is feeling it. Christians believe that that Jesus is God, but Jesus is also human. But in the midst of this, this doesn't take away from the fact that Jesus is really faced with temptation. And, and And Jesus could have started to think that this temptation kind of defined him. Or it meant that he wasn't good enough. I mean, the, the voice of God spoke to him. He said, you're, you're good. You've got this powerful thing to do. But, but Jesus could start thinking, you know, if, if, if I'm really being tempted in these ways, maybe I'm not so good, right? Maybe I'm not really who, who I think I am. Or maybe God was wrong. Maybe I'm just not good enough. But, and this is a, a big but, Jesus remembers something powerful. Jesus remembers who he is and that his temptation is not too big for God's love. Jesus remembered what happened right before he was led out into the wilderness. Jesus remembered that that voice that came from heaven and spoke over him saying, this is my son with whom, whom I love, with him I am well pleased. And Jesus remembered God's love and, and knew that his temptation was not too big for God. And so in the face of this temptation, in the face of all this struggle, Jesus turns to his tempter, turns to the devil in in verse 10, and Jesus responded, go away, Satan, go away. 
Because it's written, it's written, you will worship the Lord your God and only serve Him. So, so Jesus quotes what He knows is true to His temptation and says, get away from me. And so at that moment when Jesus rebukes the temptation and turns to the love of God, the devil left Him and, and the angels came to take care of Him. Jesus' temptation was not too big for the love of God. If there was ever any question about this, as soon as Jesus remembers the love that God has for him, the temptation disappeared. And Jesus' tempter, the devil left, and God's angels came to care for Jesus. Temptation did not change God's love. And as soon as Jesus fled to temptation, the angels of the Lord came to care for him. God's love is bigger than your temptation. God's love is bigger than your temptation. And this reminds me of something that Paul wrote. Paul was as a preacher and follower of Jesus. He was kind of a little bit after, he was a follower of Jesus after Jesus was around. So Paul didn't follow Jesus while Jesus walked on the earth. But one of the ways that, that people would share about their faith in the times of the Bible is that they would write letters. And so, so Paul is writing a letter. He's a follower of Jesus, and he's writing a letter to, to the church in Rome, to so Christians who are in the city of Rome. And he's writing a letter to them to encourage them in their faith. And, and Paul spot on addresses this problem of people thinking that their temptations are too big for God. And, and he writes this in Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. He writes about how no temptation is too big for God's love. Here's what he wrote. He said, I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love in Christ Jesus our Lord. Not angels or rulers, not present things or future things, not powers nor height, nor depth, nor anything that is created. I have to tell you, this is my, one of my all-time favorite passages in all the Bible. Some, 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 like, it, it's just something that just speaks to me in this passage. It said, there's nothing that can separate you from God's love. You know, some questions, surely, you know, I'm not good enough. I, I'm not good enough for, for God's love. Maybe you fought this. Or, or you don't know me, there's no way that, that God could really love me because of the things that I, I do or the things that I even, even think about or the things that tempt me. The things that I'm struggling with are, are just so unlovable, there's no way that God could actually love me or want anything else for me. Or, or, or maybe I don't even love myself. How could God? How could God love me? Or my temptations just keep me down. There's no way. There's no way God even... God even cares. Just one person. But here's the thing about God. No temptation is too big for God's love. No temptation is too big for God's love. And if you're one of those who thinks that you're just a small person and there's no way God could care about you, maybe it needs to be said this way. No temptation is too small for God's love either. No matter what it is that, that is in your heart or that you struggle with, it's not too big or too small for the love of God. I mean, just as Paul wrote in Romans that, that I'm convinced that, that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, just so you know, it, it's, it, it's clear. It is clear. It is clear. What can separate us from God? Nothing. Nothing. So here's another thing. Here's another thing. When you realize and actually believe that your temptation is not too big or too small for God's love, it, it's so freeing. 
You were able to do as, as Jesus did. You were able to do as Jesus did and send Satan away, send your temptation away, and allow for God to care for you. And this is a big deal. Some might not think you're worthy of God's love or you're worthy of God's care, but let me tell you that you are. You are loved by the one who loves more than anything else. And I want you to know that what happened in, in Jesus' life, Jesus' life after he realized this. Well, after he left the wilderness, Matthew tells us next in, in, in verse 17, in chapter 4, verse 17, that from that time Jesus began to announce, change your hearts and your lives. Here comes the kingdom of heaven. And then right after this, he, he, he called his first followers and then started traveling around to all the cities and all the people who were hurting and, and sharing with people the love of God, the healing of God. When Jesus affirmed that his temptation was not too big for the love of God and that he lived within God's love, he started to do things that would ultimately change the world, that would change all of human history for, for those that believe in Jesus, but even for those that, that don't believe in Jesus. So while you aren't Jesus, and that's important, like, you know, like Jesus did this, but it's also important to know you're not Jesus. Um, God still wants to use his love. God still wants to use God's love to free you from your temptations. God still wants to, to use God's love to free you from the things that sabotage your life so that you can live in God's love, so that you can go forth and share with others the, the goodness that is God. And I want you to know that, that I'm praying for you. I am praying for you. And I want you to know that, that this Lent, this 40-day 40 40-day period of preparation for Easter is just like a, a perfect time to lean on God's love. And that's why we created this Lenten kind of spiritual resource guide to help you find ways to connect with God. And, and maybe you've got all it, it all figured out and, and, you, and you know how to connect with God and you really feel the love of God in your life. And if so, I give God thanks for that and invite you to do that. But if you need some help, I invite you to go there, to, to look at this resource guide, to, to go to the website at kernchurch.org slash Lent and, and, and find some ways to connect with God. Because God's love is so big. And God's love cares so much. Whatever you've got going on in your life, God's love is not too small. God's love is just right. And I, I believe that if you do this, you will find that you're not, your temptations are not as strong as you think they might have been. And that the love of God will grow fuller in your heart and in your life because no temptation is too big and no temptation is too small for the love of God. Let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you for Jesus who, who, who came forward in life to, to share hope and and goodness, I, I thank you for, for those that, that teach about your love, your life-changing and life-redeeming love. And, and I pray right now for each one who's worshiping today that you will put in their hearts and their lives a spirit that is yours. That you will help them see that, that if they turn to you and your love, that there is nothing in their lives that can keep them separated from you because you have it all. So if anyone is here today that needs, needs this freedom found in you and in your love, I pray that they ask for it. I pray that they receive it and open their hearts. And I also pray, God, that each one who's here will, 
will make one meaningful step, one meaningful next step into a deeper, to a deeper place into your abiding love. I give this all to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Dear ones, I pray that the God of revival pours out revival and love in your heart today, that, that you feel connected to the love of God. And as you go from this place, may you know God's love in your life, sharing it with all those you encounter. In the name of the one who loves us, Jesus the Christ, go, go in peace. Thanks for listening. If you want to reach out to Kern Memorial United Methodist Church or see entire services, you can visit our YouTube channel, Kern Memorial United Methodist Church, and remember to like and subscribe for updates. You can also visit us on our Facebook page at Kern Memorial United Methodist Church. Thanks and have a blessed day.